Alcohol Beyond This Point podcast. This isn't two podcasters talking business. This is two business guys trying to podcast. Uh, we were just talking about um, last episode, which uh, may or may not ever see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not when you listen to it. But um, I won't go over too much because if you're binging, you just you just listen to it. But uh, I, we got drunk. I was I was so inebriated by the time we started that I didn't do the sound correctly i think yeah and you like were stumbling around you like broke a glass you yeah, tripped yeah. over a bunch of shit and it was yeah. it was not a great show i was very i'm not having a great week mental health wise <laughs> no and, shit and um i was just like weak well i was getting better there for a bit yeah just and now bad i'm week, like yeah. i'm getting bad again were you looking at crypto <laughs> uh he laughed because he's chugging his beer sorry i had a literally literally uh i walked i walked in from work uh five minutes before not even five minutes before tyler got here to start so i have been working for 14 hours and i literally just got home noise and this is the first drink okay well no i had a cup never mind but uh, (laughs) this this is is, my first drink after work (laughs) yeah this is my first after work drink today so um uh, welcome to uh, Alcohol Beyond This Point, the podcast where we debate business topics, both sober and drunk, to see if we come to the same conclusion. This is episode 67. Yep. <laughs> um, this is episode 76, actually. Um, thanks for, for, for stopping by. And yeah, we were just uh, we were just saying how like last episode, I got very, very inebriated with my um, with my employee, one of the people that I employ, Ellie. And uh, you were saying that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> getting that's back. absolutely a bad idea. I don't idea. know about that. I want. I was bad enough. I wanted to like call you right after I left and say never fucking do that again in front of your employee. Yeah. Because she because she expressed multiple times that she was uncomfortable. Which Why? Is, what did I do that made her uncomfortable? She said multiple times, "I shouldn't have to see you this drunk. I don't want to see you this drunk. I yeah. never want to see my boss this drunk." Like multiple yeah. times. Yeah, it's that's, like that's that, no, I, and I know it's her. It was her uh, reaction that made me say something. Okay, yeah, no, and I know, I know, I'm not. We talked the next day, so yeah. it was fine. But she, she seems, she's obviously pretty chill, and she's in, she, she had good humor about it. Yeah, but I'm like, yeah. I knew that you weren't going to look back at the night and be like, oh man, Ellie really had a, you know, this reaction because I knew you didn't notice. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. So thanks. No, we, we, we talked the next morning, so it's fine. But like, yeah, um. Yeah, and it's it's okay to be. I'm not saying it's not okay to be human in front of your employees. It's like you can crack and you can break down, but like you can't have, make a pattern of something like that because it's inevitably going something bad is going to happen. If there's a pattern of behavior. Like, I mean, look at the Me Too movement. Anything that ever happens, it's based on patterns of behavior and like repeat offenders. There's no like, unless it's like an overt assault. Um, there's no like one one case you know it's like oh my boss got drunk this one time or hey he like said this thing this one time well, i would never apologize. do that. i would never do something right. like that though but like but i'm saying just in general like people almost it almost doesn't matter what it is like short of like assault obviously of course yeah. that you know people are like whatever shit happens because everybody everybody fucking does stuff like you know you're just you're just trying to be a person for one night right you don't think about like oh i'm your boss tonight you know like oh, i'm a fucking person at a bar i want to get drunk yeah because i'm having a rough week like everyone can empathize with that and no one's really going to give you shit for that but it's like if it becomes a pattern then it becomes a problem at which point like obviously like your business partner for one like would not you know hesitate to fucking step in and <laughs> give yeah, you shit yeah yeah I, i'm just not having a great 
time a yeah. little bit. And it was, it's like the, it's coming up or like it was actually today or yesterday, but it was coming up to the anniversary when my brother got stabbed and he, uh, later, if you don't know, he later died, but not from the stabbing, he got stabbed 11 times, uh, survived, healed, and then died later of an overdose. And, um, I was just thinking about him and then I, me and Ellie were talking about him. I told her the whole story and everything that happened and mm-hmm. all this. So, and then I just started going off the fucking rails and started drinking very heavily. That's so fair. I was just having a bad night. I was going to say, I feel like this is usually, this has been a bad week for you probably every year since. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just having a bad, a lot, and, the anniversaries of events like that always are right. That. And then that's also combined with like, I'm not having a great financial quarter. Right. Um, I am not hitting my, like, usually my summers are kind of where I recoup my losses from the winter. Yeah. And, like, we're not hitting. I'm hitting, like, 60% of my targets. Yeah. So, like, that's not good. Like, that, that that means I won't be able to, like, survive through the winter in theory. Yeah. So, like, that's on my mind. And, like, even, like, my business partner and I, were, today we're talking about, like, okay, well, we have to close the business. It's, like, how do we get out of this and how do we do, like, you know, it's, like, that shouldn't even be on my mind. Yeah. Right? But it is. So I'm freaking out about that fucking, you know, the the crypto and stock crash. I mean, that's less important. That's like whatever. It's, it's but esoteric. Like, yeah. But I've lost a lot of money in that as well the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just not having a good. <laughs> that sounds awful. I'm just really not having a good, uh, good week. I'm under a fair amount of stress from the business. And then it's just everything combined, like the economy and fucking everything. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So... It just happened. Do, do, do you want to like dive like for people that don't maybe follow enough or pay attention enough or just are new? Do you want to kind of lay into why your business isn't doing well? Yeah, because we don't want to sound like you know doomers or whiny or whatever. Like there's there's very fucking simple reasons why. Yeah, yeah. So I'll um. So for context, I'm in the liquor industry, and you started with fifty dollars. <laughs> Um, we never, yeah, well that, whatever. You're not so, a, le- you're not like a legacy business that's backed by family money. I don't have any money. We never started with any money. Yeah. Like we don't have many resources, but for re- reference, we're in the liquor industry. I've done, we probably did $400,000 in sales rolling 12 and, uh, COVID obviously wasn't great for my industry because like my bar was closed for a mm-hmm. good part of two years. Um, you know, we couldn't do samplings, which, which hurt getting my products out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, my, my, my business is very, not necessarily seasonal, but in the, in the summers, we do a lot of farmers markets and big events and and fairs and samplings and stuff. And that's where I make a lot of my income. Not because people aren't drinking in the winter, but just because I'm in front of more people in the summers typically. Right. Yeah. So I'll do like 200,000 of my 400,000 in, uh, in June, July, August. Right. Right. So that usually, um, keeps us going through the slow season, which is January, February, March. Cause December is obviously very, very busy. Yeah. Um, like we probably do like 200,000 in, in, in June, July, August, a hundred thousand in December. And then the other hundred thousand in the rest of the months. Right. Right. So, doing good in the summer helps get us through the slow winter. Um, but I guess this year now that we're kind of coming out of COVID, like there's no more restrictions or anything like that, but now fucking everyone's broke. 
And for context, you've also front-loaded the expense of a lot of inventory that you're now trying to move. Yeah. So, you know, my all of my wines, I have to age a year or two. So that's like a year or two where I have to spend tens of thousands of dollars, and then I don't see the money back until yeah. a year or two go by, and I can sell it, right? So, so like, my yeah, my, my books look good because I have $200,000 of inventory I'm sitting on, but I have to move it. Yeah. And, like, we have a wine club, like a subscription service, um, and this cycle more people than ever before opted out of the cycle yeah and i always send an email when someone's opts out just being like hey like you don't have to tell us but like if you told me why you're 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 opting out it'll help us improve our service and every single one of them were like i can't afford it yeah so it's like it's hard to be even be mad because people just don't have fucking money like the it's cost like, of it's a gas groceries or liquor yeah, and they have to pick one, right? Yeah. So, or even like a couple of my regulars are like, we're apologizing to me. They're like, sorry, like I'm having to buy the shitty box wine now. Yeah. Because I just can't afford yours. And like, it's not like mine is like prohibitively expensive, but like most of my bottles are around the $20 mark. Yeah. I mean, and, even I've I've switched to drinking cheap shitty beer a lot versus the crap that I like to choose just because yeah. I'm trying to be a little bit more thrifty right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can't be mad at people. Like, I'm not mad at anyone. I'm just like, it's so hard and then we're in all this pandemic debt like i took that SIBA loan so i have to i have to pay back forty thousand dollars in the next whatever 15 months or less now yeah like you know and, and it's like my credit cards and whatever so i don't know like it's just uh it's I'm a lot a, yeah and this is it's funny because you can probably look back 40 episodes ago and i'm like oh yeah we're doing pretty good <laughs> like you That's know 40 episodes ago yeah yeah which is why i like to be honest about the business progress and everything because yeah. people can see the kind of cycles like i am not like we're at a point now where we're like okay how do we bankrupt the company without fucking our personal credit <laughs> like, yeah not that we're going to not that i'm going to give up but like we just like to talk out all the angles me and my partner right so yeah. it's like we're talking about that today and i'm like jesus christ like why am i even thinking about this like yeah 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 it's yeah it's fucking rough i mean I almost don't want to talk about the fact that things are going really well for me right now. It's like, and I'm really happy for the summer. It's like, whatever, I'm going down to four days a week and taking like tons of personal time and going on like lots of little trips and camping and whatever. It's like, sorry, dude. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but it's I, like, it's, I will live vicariously through you. <laughs> yeah, we've all, we all have our seasons, right? But right now we're working on, um, I mean, we're, we're limited right now by staffing. And I would say a lack of staffing has probably cost us uh, in the last, I would say in the last six months, our, yeah, our lack of staff has probably cost us over 400000 in in business that we could have, that we could have taken. And it's just, yeah, I mean, you can't fucking fix it. Like it's look, thinking about it like that. I mean, I just kind of sat down with, um, with my partner. We talked about like outlook and whatever. And he kind of has this mindset of like, okay, well, like we need to hire, but then if we hire, we got to make sure we close more jobs so we can actually like keep those people busy and, you know, make enough money to pay for those people. It's like, it's a fucking chicken and egg scenario, right? But the reality is the money comes so much easier than the people do. So it's like, you can only, only look in one direction, right? It's like focus solely on recruiting. Don't even think about the money coming in. Don't be like, like, don't even consider it. Be like, I'm just going to hire as fast and as, as much as I can. And then once you get to the point where you have too many people, then you can change your focus. Don't try to do both at the same time because you're just not going to get anything done, which is kind of what's been happening. And so you just got to have a singular focus. 
and it's like when you look at look back at it in retrospect it's like wow we potentially could have made an additional whatever amount of money in this period of time it's like but we didn't want to spend five thousand dollars on hiring someone you know with a marketing campaign it's like oh that's kind of stupid right but like if i'm looking forward to next month it's like okay we need to spend five thousand dollars to hire someone it's like what the fuck that sounds like a terrible idea it's yeah i don't know it's it's a really weird place to be but um yeah that kind of aside i mean everyone i'm sure i'm not everyone a lot of people can empathize with that kind of idea right now it's like a lot of people need good workers whatever boohoo uh just be better right i'm not fucking complaining if we haven't been working on it hard enough and other thing is uh very aware that the service industry does not bode well for like large scale or you know trying to build wealth for yourself or trying to retire or like you know accumulate assets in a business or just in general you know increase your own personal leverage right if you're doing like a highly like what what we do like a highly hand like literally hands-on a niche sort of service you're never going to remove yourself from it in any in any it, respect because right? it relies on you yeah it not just relies on me just by its nature even if i could make it not rely on me um it's almost like um customers are almost kind of like romantic about the idea of like they want the owner to be there to like have his hands on it like even if even if it's only in spirit like you can never be fully absent from it and you definitely can never sell that company like you can you can sort of sell the company but like you're going to sell it for like its annual revenue and maybe some assets like you're not going to get a big cash you're not going to get a pay, big payday even if you're really good um so at least this for my my specific industry so what we've been talking about is uh, different products that we can make and like obviously i don't want to talk about the specific thing but we've nailed it down to like a very specific category a very specific thing we want to make and roughly a timeline we're going to do it when we're going to start it and it's like building building into something that's kind of future proofing where it can give us a little bit of hope because the day-to-day -day grind and like making as much money this year as we did last year and not scaling and having just as many people as we had last year it's like it's really demoralizing and being like is this it is this the best i can do because it's like i can't fucking retire at this trajectory because you think that the way it is today the way it's been going is the way it's going to be forever yeah and that's incredibly demoralizing so it's like almost putting that little bit of like um you know carrot on a carrot and the stick scenario where it's like we got to give ourselves a carrot in the future near future to really really chase after to stay interested and stay engaged even if it's like to the debt even if we make less money to the detriment of like the day-to-day -day, it's like we could really chase that carrot and it could be really fun and it like it gives you if you lose that thrill of entrepreneurship it's fucking demoralizing because most businesses that entrepreneurs start are not real sexy or fun for them it's just how it is like that's why you see these people chasing fucking preposterous dreams and bamboozling everybody because they're trying to get that rush right but i don't know there's a middle ground for sure I wish I could uh, go back to bamboozling and, <laughs> and chasing preposterous dreams. You absolutely still can. You know what I think the biggest problem that I did, but out of necessity, but we like when we had, when we ha were having good times for sales and growth, we had to invest heavily. Like I got like a second building for aging the wine and we had to get yeah. like, you know, vehicle and and you know invest in different things and it's like it, we've now 
one of the biggest benefits of starting so thin like we did, like when we were 18 and we had no money, was like we could get our fucking monthly expenses down to almost nothing. Yeah. And now with like, you know, six employees and two buildings and a van lease and a, all this shit, all these monthly expenses, we can't get our expenses down to nothing anymore. No. Like at, my, least, at least not with causing long long term harm. Yeah, my burn is like nine grand a month now. Yeah, right. Like my minimum, but like in April before the summer, I spent like forty thousand dollars in a month. Yeah, um, because we got to stock up on wine and stuff, right? And uh, yeah, because you know we could get yeah get rid of the second building and just but then we have to cut down on by on our inventory by half because I don't have the space for it anymore. Yeah. Right. And it's like, there's stuff we can do, but it's like nothing that's not going to hurt the business farther. Mm-hmm. You know what I was thinking the other day that like is so weird to think about is that like, I only had two full summer seasons before COVID started. That is weird to think about. Which it feel, feel, feels I, a lot fucking longer than I feel like I've been doing this fucking forever. Yeah. But I was thinking about, I was talking about it to my friend the other day cause, and he does markets and we were trying to like work out the timeline of like the, the one market we're at that he helps run. And then I'm like, no, that can't be right. I would have done this for more than two summers before COVID. Uh, no. Like. Wild. Yeah. Because remember, we didn't get, like, 2017 was, it was illegal still to sell at farmer's yeah. markets. We got that change in 2018. So we did, like, uh, that summer, 2019, and then it was COVID. Fuck. Right? <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> that fucking sucks. Like, when yeah. you go back in, like, your, you know, in your fucking history in, you know, 20, 30 years from now, you're be like, that's preposterous. That's, like, it's wild. no wonder it sucked. It's so weird. Yeah. It's it's an absurd time to start a business if you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Like, you're going through the most raucous time in history. Yeah. Or like, at least and, in West, but, in so, modern, modern history. So here's history. the thing. But then, like, how do you feel bad? Because I couldn't have started a business any earlier. Mm-mm. Right, I was still in high school. Like I couldn't have done it any earlier. No, you didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's just like you just got. And if I had done it later, yeah. like now, would have been worse. The economy's shit. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like I try not to have like I I I I don't really like doing like. Well, if I had done this, I I hate people to do that. They're like, oh, if I if only I had invested in Amazon when I heard about it in fucking nineteen ninety seven. It's like okay, well, yeah, you didn't. I always hate people that say stuff like that. So I try to stop being like, oh, if I had just done this and not spent all that money and not expanded in that way. But it's like. But it's also incredibly useful to understand your history in context, right? Yeah. And your decisions in, in context. And like. Well, if, if you yeah, have the same information, f- would you make the same decision again? That's what you yeah. got to ask, right? Yeah. Under, with the same circumstances, with the same information, would you would you do it again? Yeah. And if it's yes, then why are you mad, right? Yeah, and I mean, we've kind of gone through this conversation a bunch of times. Like, I've done that through my whole work history over and over and over again. I fucking rehash it probably at least once a year. And I'm like, yeah, no, I think my values and my ethics and whatever, like, I did the things that I did for a reason. And I wouldn't go back on it. But I think there's going to be a a pretty... I'm hoping there's going to be a fairly good purge of a lot of the insanity that we've been witnessing because... I don't know. I've been, I haven't really obviously paid attention to, I never paid attention to economics, um, macro, micro, anything, or politics in any sense until, you know, probably about 2019, 2020. And I don't think that I ever saw um, 
there's going to be a, a pretty incredible purge of dumb shit in the market. Like, when I started really paying attention to economics, like, as an uninitiated, inexperienced, pretty young person, and also uh, uneducated <laughs> in, an, in an official sense, right, um, I was looking at, or and I was listening to, uh, you know, the stock market and just general economic geniuses or experts, and they're just talking about this crazy bull market. And it's like, they're just going up. The stocks are going up. Oh, their new record's up. We're up, we're up, we're up. And you just hear this for long enough, and you're like, Jesus, where does this lead? And you're like, can, like, Peloton really go this high? Like, <laughs> uh, So think about it functionally. Like, companies are being valued at, like, I used to think that being valued at, like, 10x your valuation, like, 10x, sorry, 10x annual revenue. Yeah, 10x annual revenue was, like, that's crazy. That's insane, yeah. Do you know what? These companies are 100 times or more. Like, yeah, companies like Tesla, yeah, they're insane. But, like, don't quote me on the exact, but, like, the big um, fang stocks, the big tech stocks, are between like thirty five and forty five percent, thirty x times annual, wild. Yeah, and they're like, this is just anything below thirty five x is considered like a pretty good deal on these stocks. And I'm yeah. like, what fucking universe? Because in, in says that this company is going to be make is going to be worth this much in thirty five years. Most of these companies won't exist in ten. Because, like, I, I was told by a uh, business actuator one time that in my industry, it's, like, 3x gross revenue for a manufacturing business. Right. And that's because I'm um, asset heavy. Like, yeah. we have a lot of inventory. We have a lot of equipment. Um, and I'm worth, like, three times my gross revenue. Right. And if, But if you had, like, maybe a, like a, a different type of winery where you had, like, much longer term products and like you were more entrenched you had a big brand like that might stretch Maybe, yeah to like five six seven x depends yeah, how big 35 the brand is. is fucking ridiculous yeah 30, like we're talking like i said 10 seemed crazy but i guess you're like the stock's worth what someone will pay for it right? exactly that's that's what it is now yeah it's not rooted in any fundamentals well, every, like the most of the experts have been talking about a correction for a long fucking time exactly here it is baby <laughs> yeah here's the fucking correction let's ride it and like same with crypto right I mean, I was hearing uh, people calling $25,000 Bitcoin like seven months ago, and um, it just, it went down and just kind of stayed down and then went down again. Yeah. Like, that's the part that wasn't really expected. Usually bounces back a lot faster. But, uh, I mean, there's never been a time like this, right? So, yeah, it's a weird fucking time. Like, it's, I, I'm still confident that obviously crypto will probably have an insane surge. There'll be something that happens. There'll be some change in sentiment. Like, I don't well, think this is the death of crypto. They say that no, every fucking time. Here's here's what's happening is that Biden looks like he's pushing through these uh, crypto regulation bills. Ah. Um, and uh, that combined with all... Because, like, this most recent crash is because Celsius turned out to be probably a scam. Oh, no. Allegedly. And, um, you know, that this comes on the heel. We still haven't recovered. Or we, the crypto market still hasn't recovered from the, uh, the crash that, uh, the Terra Luna thing, did. Yeah. um, USDT or whatever. That was a Ponzi scheme. Um, yeah, that, so, <laughs> that was a, 
what do they call it? Like an algorithm. No, it was, back... a, it was literally a Ponzi. Yeah, it was, a, it was al- algorithm an algorithm backed al- stable coin. Yeah, algorithm backed Ponzi scheme. Yeah, it was literally a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah, and, that makes uh, sense because the the returns that they were presenting were just impossible. Well, no, it that was. one that one was uh, Terra was supposed to be pegged to the U.S. dollar. Yeah, but they were also paying like a fifteen percent dividend, weren't they? No, no, that's Celsius. That just was a scam now too. Uh, allegedly, they haven't they haven't proved that yet, okay. but. That was um, Celsius is the, they're like, we don't want to be called a bank, but it was basically a bank for crypto. Yeah. Um, And and then they're like, just made it so you can't take out your money anymore. Yeah. And everyone's like, uh. (laughs) Um, Which is what they raged against in the beginning. I'm sure you've seen the tweets. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there's been a bunch of shit. Like we haven't recovered from the first crash and then something else happened. So anyway, but so we're, we're, it's way down. But now Biden's doing all this, uh, like, crypto regulatory bills, and they're pushing them through. And are these executive orders, or are they going through Congress? I think they're going through Congress. But okay, I think well, then, bo- they won't, then they won't pass. No, but I think both sides are, like, they're, like, um, not omnibus, but bipartisan bills. Omnibus. Because um, the everyone's scared of crypto. Interesting. All the rich people, yeah. right? Because a lot of the Republicans, like I know, like DeSant- DeSantis likes it, but like a lot of these Republicans have friends that are bankers and oil execs and shit, and they don't want to see cryptocurrency, right? Or they would like, take an opportunity to take it down if they could. And you always hear, like, wasn't it Trump that was like Bitcoins just used by criminals and shit? Like, I think so. Yeah, yeah. like so Republicans hate it for a different reason. Some of yeah. them, right? So, well, it's because it's 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 fundamentally um, anarchist. It's like it's, yeah, it's against the state. They don't. Yeah, exactly. So of course, the state don't like it. So they're going to push these through, and then what's going to happen? As soon as they get pushed through, and the price is extremely low, people like BlackRock go, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, we should just buy a trillion dollars of Bitcoin now, right? To hold it like we do gold." Um, and all these giant investment banks are going to start buying into it. And then, like Kevin O'Leary has been predicting, it's be- going to come. Crypto is going to become the like twelfth sector of the economy. What, like, what what kind of regulation are they talking about, though? Um, the same regulation, like anything. Hmm. I didn't read the bill, but the same, like, the same way. Like basically, stocks and shit are regulated, just, right? Okay, so like integrating. Um... Basically, integrating crypto into into the current financial system. Yeah, into boxes. the security system. Yeah. 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 It being probably that is going to become, it's going to be treated like a, either security or a currency. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it's, I don't know which one's worse. I think. Well, they're trying to. I feel to, like security is worse than currency. They're trying to make it security and Canada's doing currency. Right. And I think currency is more lax. Yes. Because security, they want, like, part, also what Biden's trying to get done is, um, tax you on unrealized capital gains right so if your bitcoin goes up you pay taxes on that even if you don't sell it but i i'm pretty sure that was only for people with a net worth over like 100 million or something yeah well it starts there yeah yeah and income tax was a temporary wartime measure to get us through the world war one right like but i mean they can't if they drop that ceiling you're basically just going to tax the boomers out of everything they've got left yeah and they don't give a fuck yeah also boomers are dying like oh, not quickly enough not quick enough <laughs> <laughs> on that cheery note uh welcome to the segment that we call shot caller the part of the show where you the audience can pick the shot that we take uh today's shot has been picked by Skullman, and Ooh. it's the same as always you know it you love it 
<laughs> Cheers. You laughing at me? Mm. That's nice. Does my life insurance pay out if I kill myself? No. Fuck. Tyler, can you murder me? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> There's a um here's a deep pull in the uh Shivering Isles expansion to the Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion. Well, deep cut. There's uh you're in this uh in the Shivering Isles aptly named is like this it's the Daedric Realm of Madness. And uh, everything's just fucking batshit insane because it's ran by this guy named Shergorath who's a Daedric Prince of Madness and he's just fucking... Like, you do like a quest for him then you come back and he's like, cheese for everyone! Wait, nope, scratch that. Cheese for no one. Um, <laughs> anyway, but it's pretty good. But anyway, he, he uh, there's, if you kill your... Because he basically just makes everyone crazy because you live in this fucking batshit crazy realm. Mm -hmm. But if you kill yourself, then you're like eternally punished. Right. And that's like the thing that makes it so you don't kill yourself. Um, so there's a quest, side quest where this guy gets you to push him off a building because <laughs> he wants to kill himself, but yeah. he, he can't physically do it. Nice. So it's just... Uh, You're not punished for murder, just suicide? I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess you can't get caught, but... I guess you only get punished if you get caught yeah. or if you die. Um, that's fun. Where is it that it's uh, it's illegal... It was like Estonia or something. It's illegal to commit suicide, mm -hmm. and the punishment is death. Lit. <laughs> so it's like either way you win. Thanks. <laughs> like, it's, it's just their it's just their creative way of having state assisted suicide. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They couldn't legalize yeah, state assisted suicide, so they just made a death penalty for suicide. Yeah, walk up to a cop and then like, oh, I'm stabbing myself in the neck, and then they'll shoot you. <laughs> yeah, they don't need a trial. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty smart. So, um, this is a business topic, I swear. Okay. But it is highly politicized because, you know, big businesses. Uh, we we talked about this yesterday on the Mastermind a little bit, but I was, whatever, watching videos and reading on it today. This fucking Exxon scandal with their, uh, I guess, he's effectively like their head of PR. Their well, head, here's the thing. Their, their main lobbyist. Here's the thing, though, is it's not even a scandal. No one gives a shit. Yeah, and like, they should. <laughs> I I didn't even hear about it. No, me neither. Until you, until JL was talking about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And I read about it. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, why isn't this should be like rocking the media? But the thing is, you can't criticize oil domestic oil companies right now because they're literally the only chance we have. Like, you, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to Exxon? Like. They're unfucking touchable right now. Dude, because look at like BP caused that highly publicized oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, and their profits didn't even go down. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean this is worse though because like right now. Yeah, so explain what happened. Yeah. Okay. So Greenpeace is obviously controversial, but I think this has to be one of their better strategies of just doing like investigative journalism and then a release like this. Unfortunately, it's not as blowing up like we said because, I mean, it's Greenpeace. It's demonized. Also, buddy, a climate scientist set himself on fire on the steps of Congress and mm. no one talked about it. Fair. So no, we're not going to get through. It's hopeless. That's fair. Um, 
<laughs> this liberal elitist media. Yeah, the liberal elitist media won't talk about climate change. Literally. Um, but anyways, this guy... Fuck, we should grab his name. Plunk it in there. Flash it on the screen. Uh, anyways, so His the... name is... Yeah, thank you. And then it'll be like my voice obviously re-recorded <laughs> with his name. Perfect. So, head PR guy, you know, colloquially the main lobbyist motherfucker for Exxon. So, tons of money behind him. And obviously, he's very, very good at his job. So, he was, I guess, hoodwinked, bamboozled um, into... Flabbergasted? Flab- yeah. I think hoodwinked is the best explanation of it. He was uh, bamboozled. I think he was bamboozled. He was bamboozled. So Greenpeace posed, did like a long con, and basically convinced this guy that he was interviewing for a PR firm that was working for basically uh, like a, a Saudi oil company. They didn't say, but, you yeah, know. It was supposed to be Saudi Aramco. Yeah, Aramco. They, and then, they said but Asa. they're like, an unnamed Saudi Arabian oil company firm. Wink. like Yeah, all those Saudi Arabian oil companies yeah. that are massive and would. You know Saudi Aramco is the most valuable company in the world now? Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. It's crazy. Every single person in the world has an iPhone in their fucking pocket. And Saudi Aramco blows past Apple in value. Yeah, because they look at their stock and like how much stock they sold and what it's worth. That's also, less than 1% of their company. Also, you have to... I heard like if you actually put in the context of like how much the Saudis, the royal family that is, is worth like that they don't tell anybody. Yeah. Like if you count the gold and shit they have, yeah. It's it's like immeasurable. Like it, hundreds of trillions of dollars. It's like Vatican level. Like literally. Like and yeah. same with Putin. It's like the yeah. the wealth that these people have that but they just don't tell you about it, right? Like yeah. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, this guy got fucking hoodwinked. Think he was interviewing to do uh to get paid big money to do a PR campaign. And so he in 60 minutes, effectively confesses to all the sins of Axon and things that he's done. And to basically cut to the end, no, he does not get fired. Uh, no, Axon does not apologize. Uh, he basic Exxon basically just pulls the shaggy defense and says, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, they caught him they on s- camera. They caught me selling oil. It wasn't me. <laughs> Literally. So they pulled the shaggy defense. They said it wasn't me. And that was it. That's it. I guess it wasn't you. It's fine. You're not liable. But they didn't fucking fire the guy. Like if they said his views do not reflect the views of Exxon. We haven't said what ha- what he did. So the crimes of Exxon. I mean, everyone's familiar with the, the general idea of the quote unquote conspiracy theories. Where when climate science began uh, to get some traction, they came out and disputed it. They said, no, that's not true. And he's on camera. This guy, Greenpeace released this. He's on camera in this interview being like, oh yeah, we pay billions of dollars to uh, basically... To, like, to shadow groups that would counter this information. Like pay like scientists in quotations. Or to, actual like, scientists that are to, willing like, to sell out. To like disprove climate change and shit. Or at and, least like, create reasonable doubt. All the information that's like disputing climate change is like 
paid up by shadow groups paid by Exxon. Yeah, it could be movies. It could be Ben Shapiro. It could be name a fucking thing, name a person. It could be CNN. It could be NBC. Like it could be anybody. They pay. They're they're spending so much money they can get anybody to say fucking anything. Here's a good one. Someone just uh, that new Top Gun movie that came out. Yeah. Someone filed a FOIA request to see if the CIA was involved. Yeah. Uh, They were obviously. Yeah. Uh, It says it in the credits. Nice. That they were involved. They always are. And this guy spent a bunch of effort like going through a FOIA request. It's in the credits. It's just in the credits of the movie. They just said it's he's like, aha. And it's like, yeah, special thanks to the Central Intelligence Agency for consulting. It's like Yeah, they It was but, right there. Uh US military and CIA gets um gets final edit permission on any movie that involves uh theoretical or movie like U.S. military, anything. They, uh, they in, ex- help... in exchange for free use of military assets. Yeah. They help... Uh, there's U.S. military generals or retired or whatever on in the offices when they make Call of Duty. Yeah. for To ask them how like shit would go down and shit. Same it's thing. It's fucking insane. Same thing, yeah. I always makes tell the games story... better, but it also makes them excellent propaganda. I think I've said this, this story 40 times, but I always say it when this comes up. I went to school with a kid. He was a year younger than me. He was a competitive Call of Duty player, and he joined the Canadian military the day of the, on his 18th birthday. Yeah. It's fine. And he was, like, playing Call of Duty since he was, like, five, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking, I don't know about that. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this Exxon lobbyist uh, confesses to uh, funding shadow groups to basically counter... Uh, counter scientific evidence that was coming out about climate change and carbon emissions and how oil companies were complicit and then eventually complicit in covering it up and then he goes on to brag about his political influence and he names like name drops as you do when you're trying to get a job and get paid a fuck ton, fuck ton of money he name drops all the senators that he speaks to on a regular basis has influence over and has on speed dial he says he says, we speak to Joe Manchin's office on a weekly basis. He's like, we look to the ones that are weak, you know, the ones that are up for election, the ones that are, you know, close to the center and easy to push, ones that are up for re-election, you know, in, in, um, in you know, 22. He's like, the 27 class we don't pay attention to because they don't have a lot of pressure on them for re-election. He's like, so we, we focus on the 2022 class. And he just, like, lists, like, 15 senators. And, I mean, because senators is where everything dies, right? So he lists like 15 senators, you know, maybe 10 of them are Democrats and the rest are Republicans. And he's like, we, we fucking call these people. He's like, if I want you to say this, if I want you to make a speech on the floor, I'll tell you what to say. He's like, and they fucking say it. He's like, I make, I make the phone call and they say it. And, and, it kill, is... and, and, and the bill is dead. He's like, and here's the best part. Exxon has had the has had the talking point and the line for maybe about a decade that they are in favor of a carbon tax. And you're like, wow, look at Exxon. They want a carbon tax. They want, you know, ecological responsibility for for the company. He's like, it's fucking cheap cannon fodder because we know for a fact, and he he also says this, which I think will be great for all his politician friends. He's like, these, I don't know, he's like, these stupid politicians, these idiotic politicians are so fucking partisan they'll never cross the aisle he's like you'll never get 60 votes to pass anything like that anyways he's like we can say whatever we want it doesn't cost us anything we get the good pr but i know nothing's ever going to happen because i'm going to make sure that it never happens and because remember he thinks he's talking to a saudi arabian oil company that's trying to break into america yeah so he's being like oh yeah these americans are idiots yeah but he's just saying he's saying the quiet part out loud 
And then, and then this goes public, and nothing happens. And Exxon doesn't deny no, anything no, he says. You know what? Ex- Exxon doesn't even release a statement. They tweet. Yeah, they tweeted it. This guy doesn't represent our... You hired him to represent you. He's the PR guy. Like, he doesn't re- represent our views. Yeah. Oh, my. It's, but, it's, and then the yeah. best part, they don't fire him. No. Because so. you know what? I bet this kind of guy, this motherfucker, the guy that's good at this business, I bet you he's got so much fucking dirt on the board and the CEO, they can't fire him. Well, and you know what? Without nuking themselves. You know what's going to happen now is that an actual Saudi Ara- Arabian oil company is going to watch this Greenpeace piece and be like, oh man, actually, this guy seems pretty good. <laughs> like, and then he's going to get the job anyway. He's going to get the job anyway, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Greenpeace. Yeah. So what do you think about like, um, oil's weird. Oil's a weird one because. It's a natural resource that should be nationalized, and in many and in many cases, take. I don't believe I don't think I believe that. But okay, so you don't think that if there's oil found in the ground in your province, you don't think that everyone should benefit from it, or should just a handful of people that have billions of dollars should be able to benefit from it because they can harvest it and sell it? Like, why shouldn't that benefit everyone on the, on the land? If it's from the land, it should benefit the land. It's a fucking basic idea. Like, why doesn't it go to, like, subsidize our energy cost? It okay. could go to subsidize something else. Like, so I the idea of nationalizing okay, so something is, I'm, like, it could be managed and run and extracted and all that can be privatized. Yeah. But, like, there can be, um, there can just be, like, a top-line rip just like they you do with like your fucking alcohol. board kind of thing? What do they do to your alcohol? Yeah, well, that's criminal, the amount they take. Right. So why don't they do that to oil? <laughs> okay. Because it, there's no skill involved. There's no entrepreneurship involved, really. So here's, I don't know about that, but I don't know when you became a communist, but. Um... It's not a fucking communist <laughs> idea. It's like, it's, it's, you can have a capitalist country and model and still have a nationalized natural resource. Here's my capitalist reason why I don't really support the oil industry is because Warren Buffett says, don't invest in a company that you don't think will be here in 100 years. Sure. And oil will certainly not be here in 100 years. Yeah, we're, because everyone's dead. We're all dead, uh, and it's but it's a, it's a finite resource. Sure. I don't know why I would invest in a finite resource. But the existential damage is going to come before the resource runs out. No, I thought we we're, we're going to run out by like 2100. No. I'm pretty sure. They say that every year. Like, no, it like, just, the, the goalpost, the goalpost gets moved because. Do they find new deposits, I guess? No, they don't find new deposits. They know where they are. Oh, it's they just, just they don't want us the to pay. Pri- the price is not high enough uh. to justify the exploration of it, or the technology doesn't exist yet yeah. for the extraction of it. Like, there's eventually. There's a bunch in the Arctic and shit. Eventually, yeah, there's a, whatever. It's, it's somewhere where it's just too expensive to get, or, you know, it's on a fucking asteroid that they just need to, like, push into our orbit to harvest from like name a thing like there will if there is a price they will find a way like it's not going to run out i just don't understand they'll have to be made to stop there were they have computers that ran on petrol nice there's these like gear or they're not computers but like early i think they were like calculate i don't know what they were i remember watching a youtube video Turing machines this, something like that that ran on like burning fuel yeah yeah, they're mechanical machines. Yeah. Yeah, well, we saw one the other day when we were at my cabin. That kind of thing. What's that thing? We what? saw it at the golf course. Remember? And I thought it was a asphalt thing, and you're like, no, it's this. Thing. Oh, oh, a thresher. 
Yeah. Does that run on petrol? No, steam. Or what? I guess wood and coal. That's cool. But okay, whatever. But uh, there's a lot of machines that now we have modern versions that we can plug into the wall. Mm-hmm. Why don't those still run on petrol? Because it's fucking just a better idea to have them plug it in the wall. Yeah. Like, say what you want about, like, oh, like, lithium-ion batteries. Like, that's worse for the environment than getting oil. No, it's not. It's just not. It's bad, but it's not the same. And it's, I, I don't know, man. It's like, someone today I saw in a, some city in Canada is um, upping their, or they're starting a municipal rebate for buying electric cars. Because mm-hmm. each province has one. Um, and the feds have one. Um, but, uh, so the city was like, oh, we're going to, you know, you buy an electric car, we'll give you a thousand dollars back or whatever. Right. Yeah. And a bunch of the comments were like, our conservatives being like, oh, these fucking liberals, whatever. And then one guy was like, no, thanks. Like it's way worse for the environment to have a Tesla because then I have to re- replace the battery 20 times in the lifetime of a car. Yeah. And I re- looked it up and it's like, you have to replace the battery like three times. Yeah. In the lifetime of a car. And all those materials can be recycled and reconstituted. But it's like, why does this guy think it's 20? That's ridiculous. What, once a year you have to get a new battery? Yeah. That's not he, how that works. He's never fucking looked it up. Also, how many times do you have to fucking replace your battery in your car? In your gas car? And they're also talking about batteries that potentially will never have to be replaced and will be have the longevity. I mean, this is something again that's being ruined by the fucking. Um, the I lobby. hate. I hate to say it. The fucking capitalist incentive around batteries is like planned obsolescence, right? There's concept. Yeah, there's yeah. concepts of batteries that would last so long that they would have to design have to it replace, in a manner. You would have to replace the car the, around replace the battery. The phone around, yeah, around the battery and shit. Or yeah. replace the phone around I've the battery. That, yeah. And like you could use the same battery in your car and your house and your cabin and like whatever. You could take the same battery and plug it into everything so, because it's got a 120-year lifespan. See, I'm, I'm a capitalist through and through. Yeah. Maybe not the way... Well, here's the thing. It, okay, it's all semantics. How do you feel about light bulbs? <laughs> yeah. I, it's all semantics, right? I'm not maybe a capitalist, but I'm a, I'm like, I like mercantilism. I just like mm-hmm. being able to sell shit to, to consenting adults and having an economy. Like that's what I like. Right. And, um, like dude, like in, if Every, I was like, everyone loves trade. Like if I was in like Roman, t- I'd be the fucking carpet vendor on the street. Be like, ah, or wine vendor name a thing. Right. There's not, well, as you got to remember, there's not really any, political ideals out there that remove that yeah it's only the um the compensation that you receive for doing the types of things that you do like a very one of the more extreme like socialist ideals is uh, no matter who you are no matter what you do uh if you work one hour you get a one hour work voucher okay i like i have a one hour coin and whether you are oh, okay, a, and then like bread costs like three hours, yeah, or or okay, bread's a bad example, but like yeah. a video game is ten hours of work, right? And no matter where you work, you get regardless of who you are, what you do, and it's like, well, they're like, okay, well, what about you know, you go to school for ten years to become a doctor, and then like you should Why? get you should get paid more, right? Yeah, it's like, well, no, that guy just gets paid for every hour of school he does. 
and then he gets paid for every hour of work he does. Like, how is it so different, the guy that built the school, so, than the guy that attended the school one of and the, what you did afterwards? Like, it's... One of the... Like, my roommate, JL, who's been on this podcast, uh, we debate about this a lot because he's yeah. a communist, and I would consider myself a... Uh, I don't even know. Anarcho... I'm an anarchist, but farther on the right side than him. And... Um, but you're still left of center. I'm apolitical. <laughs> I, I'm apolitical. I, I, I think... It's too confusing to care. I think political theory, and he hates this, my this idea, but I think po- modern political theory has been made to just further divide people. Yeah. It really doesn't to, to fucking... Make sure, to make sure that nothing happens. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, the, the, you're fucking focusing... On, you're just reading Marx and you're not actually doing anything. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, but whatever. Anyway, that, but... That is the death of the left. Which yeah. you've described of the last five hundred years. Yeah, but um, my oh yeah no. So we one of the things that we debate on JL and I is that like um, he doesn't think that uh, risk is inher- should be worth anything more. Right. Shouldn't shouldn't be gauged in how much like because that's what business owners always say is that like why well, took the risk. So I should get rewarded for that. Yeah. And he doesn't think that should be a thing. Um, I think I could probably agree with JL on the fact that I think the risk factor is, in a sense, um, it's just a product of the system that you're a victim of. Like it, sure. you, you only have risk because of the way things are set up. Because if there's things no were social set up, safety net. Right. If, if things were set up differently, there was, risk doesn't exist anymore. Sure. Sure. I can, I can definitely... It's like empathize with that but like i also like to be practical and talk about the system that we live in yeah not some fucking ideal fairy jail well i mean it's it's ha- it's not a fairy fairy jail world it's happened it's been done but the problem is every time it's been done uh they get fucking crushed by the militant right by the militant capitalists the militant overlords the name of thing yeah. like they get crushed they get militarily defeated because they're like oh we're just gonna be happy over here and like farm and stuff and the other side's like rah rah kill the jews build bigger guns murder crusade time like yeah like it's that those guys are gonna those guys are gonna win every time over the people that are content living off the land and everyone's happy every time they're gonna get crushed by a fascist regime like that's just how it works that's just fucking economics like the the story of um like Rome versus, um, God, why can I never remember? The, that's why we shouldn't drink and try to recite history. Uh, so Rome went to this a, podcast is gonna be so much better when we have a Jamie to true to um, fucking fact check us. So Rome invades its neighbor. It Gaul? starts no, starts with the sea. Istanbul. No. Constantinople. No. Carthage. Yes. Got Thank. Him. Fuck. Willows knows everything. So they wrong. invade Carthage, and Carthage is like a mercantile city, and they have trade routes that go all the way up into like modern day UK, and they're just like this gigantic, like libertarian mercantile city. My my dream. Like one of the biggest cities of humanity to date, and then their next door neighbors, uh, roughly the equivalent distance between like San Francisco and LA, about four hundred miles. Uh, was um, was Rome and the capital, and they were basically an infantry that would go and wreck shit, and then take their shit, and then keep their shit, and that was the um, the empire of Rome, right? Uh, 
so they 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 basically the manufactured a war against Carthage, and they're like, um, I guess in street terms, it's like if you don't fight us, you a bitch. Street terms. If you don't fight us, you a bitch. And Carthage's like, I guess I'm not a bitch. So, and then they got invaded, and Carthage was destroyed, and you know, and Rome took over. Like what? It's not that Rome was better than Carthage. They were roughly the same size, you know, their quote-unquote GDP, whatever. Uh, the difference was one was militant and the other was focused on, you know, building cool shit, trading, doing business, and just growing this really complex, incredible, amazing society. And they got fucking crushed by the militant authoritarians. And that's why, and that's what we're currently experiencing. It's like purist capitalists like yourself cannot exist because what will win every time is the people that are willing to use force or extortion or money or dirty politics dirty money like dark money name a fucking thing to get their way are going to push you back and stomp you down because like, which is why I'm you're not, not willing to go there which is why i'm not a capitalist by like the current definite like okay so here's the thing is that maybe when i was younger not even younger but a couple of years ago i maybe i was like i was didn't understand the history jail really helped me kind of educate myself on the history of a lot of these political philosophies yeah and what i what i want isn't this pure because like i always said capitalism isn't the same as corporatism right where like what we live in this is this cronyism like cronyism is like when the government interferes with business in ways that make it favorable. So like right. bailing out the big banks and Cor shit like that. Corporations are the new monarchs. So that that's cronyism. And then right. corporatism is when like giant monopoly corporations do the same thing. Right. But um, I guess when you actually read theory, it's kind of like, okay, like capitalism is just a stepping, like it inevitably ends in these monopolies. Right. Because that's... It's, now, it's consolidation. It's... Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't necessarily believe that. I think that there is always going to be the better mousetrap person that comes out. Like, think about the monopoly that Blockbuster had. Right. You know, and then Netflix fucked them up. And now Netflix has had their third down quarter in a row. Right. And they're getting destroyed by other people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think that... Well, Netflix has third down quarter because they don't like this is another criticism of capital markets. Netflix is down because they're not growing anymore. Their their new user growth is down. Their their actual user volume is not down. Their actual output and their income whatever is not fucking down. It's their growth has slowed, so their 37x has turned into a 31x because they're no longer exponentially and then their growing. their stock price tanks because of that. Right. No, yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Their stock price went from a 37 to a 31. Yeah. Which yeah, looks it was a bigger. It was like a 50% drop their stock. Okay, so it went 37 to a fucking 16. Whatever, name it, yeah. Yeah, so they experience a slow in growth. They didn't experience a slowdown. They didn't experience a loss. It's the it's the tapering off of their upward trajectory. And if you, you are punished the second you are not exponentially growing nobody factors in the like the idea that maybe netflix is ubiquitous and just about everybody that can pay for the service and wants to pay for the service does yeah. and is and will when that tapers off and they've kind of capped it's time to punish them well how many streaming services do you pay for uh, one Net just netflix yeah okay so i pay for netflix okay <laughs> My I have Amazon Prime. I don't count that. My though. parents pay for Netflix. 
and I use their Netflix. Right. My corporation pays for my Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have Amazon Prime that I buy just for the shipping benefits, yeah. but I do have the streaming service. There are a couple good shows on there. Yeah. The Boys is Watch on there. a movie the other day. There's a couple. There's a couple. I always forget I have it. Like, yeah. I forget it's a thing because I, I literally it's... started buying Prime before Prime Video because I'm like, holy shit, same day delivery? <laughs> it, <laughs> like... it, it just sucks when you go on Prime and half the shit you want to see is like $20. Yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. That's how uh, I feel. But also, I just uh, want to give a quick shout out to uh, Cypress Hills Winery, which is what we're drinking at the moment. Uh, this was a friend of ours. She actually, I would consider her a mentor. Uh, Marie is her name. Um, she started this winery. She one of the first ones in Saskatchewan about 25 years ago. And um, it was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, she um, she just retired this year, actually, and sold the winery. Oh. So they have new ownership now, um, but this this was made by her. But uh, she was one of, one of the only, one of the first wineries in Saskatchewan, and we're the first winery in in Manitoba. So we um, we especially my partner um, asked her a lot over the years for advice and uh, guidance, and and I would say she mentored us. And uh, we used to buy, or we still I think we last year we bought rhubarb from her and shit that she shipped over and stuff. So. Shout out Cypress Hills Winery. They have a great, great, cool location in the uh, in the Cypress Hills. In the wow. but, in the buttfuck nowhere of buttfuck nowhere of but Canada. It's, but it's it's I don't. Well, you've probably you've driven through there. We we both have. Yeah. But it's the border between Alberta and Saskatchewan on the south side mm-hmm. is these weird like black mountains for some reason. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's basically Badlands. So weird, like yeah, it's out, a, it's out the out Badlands of, of Canada. Yeah. Out of character for what it is. Yeah. And it's like this black soil and there's a, these weird hills and stuff um so and it's in there so it's super cool but uh, yeah so if you're ever in the area or um i think they ship everywhere in canada cypress hills winery shout out to them um we're gonna take another shot here because if we ever take a shot under 35 uh, under 40 percent we have to take two that's the rule of shot caller cheers so yeah we're talking about the trajectory of netflix well i was trying to use it as like um Evidence that the free market eventually corrects when there's stuff that has a mon- huge monopoly. So you're saying we're going back to VHS? Um, no, what I'm saying is that this... I don't know if I'm fully subscribed to capitalism just fosters these monopolies that eventually get so big that they just buy out all their competition and just are ubiquitous. Yeah. I think there might be there might be some fucking kid right now working on the Amazon killer. Right, but who's working on the BlackRock killer? Maybe some other kid. <laughs> Maybe uh, some whiter kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got to remember a, a really sobering idea is that gigantic firms like BlackRock have realized that there is a lot to be gained by swallowing up single-family homes and just sitting on them and letting them appreciate just because single-family homes and land is finite. Yeah. And right now, especially, like, lumber is finite, builders are finite, everything's fucking finite. So if they swallow up these properties... They just take them off the market. They can just take them off the market, they can sit on them, they don't have to have lease them out because they can buy so many of them that they can can create scarcity. I remember talking to this to my partner, um, actually, I think it was in the group chat, Mm -hmm. where he was like, yeah, and then they just rent them out and become slumlords, and I'm like, no, um, 
nearly a hundred percent of the houses that BlackRock buys in Canada uh, don't get rented out. They just sit on. They're them. just completely off the market. And he's like, yeah, because, well, because renting them out becomes a business and a liability. And he's like, why would I? Why would they do that? That's dumb. And it's like, no, think about it. Yeah. Because they're creating artificial scarcity, and um, they just have assets on the books. It doesn't fucking matter if they're cash flowing. Like, yeah. You know, so it's um. And well, yeah. they are technically cash flowing in terms of their increasing their equity because they're creating scarcity and the prices are higher and their and their yeah. homes get well, assessed you, higher you and higher. You bought them in cash, so it's not like you have a fucking mortgage. Right. So they just appreciate you pay the property tax and they appreciate every year more than the property tax appreciates or increases. Yeah. And then it's a growing asset. Yeah. So it's like buying gold or yeah. fucking anything else. Yeah. Like you wouldn't they, say you wouldn't say, Oh, you have you're not renting the gold out, that's a liability then. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> like they got wise to it. I mean there I think there's a city there's like one city in the US right now that's looking at passing a law that would basically make that practice illegal. But it's so hard because the, the, the way they have to phrase the bill is that a corporation can't own a home. Well, basically, a corporation can't sit on a property and leave it vacant. Well, no. What they're going to do is do... They've been talking about that forever in a bunch of places. Is that a you pay property tax, like a use tax or whatever. Yeah. So if it's empty, you're paying like 20 times what you would pay if it's vac- if it's not. Yeah. Um, to the point where it's like unsustainable to have. Yeah. Um, and then that they do that, I think in downtown like New York and stuff, mm-hmm. it's so you don't hold on to businesses that are just vacant. It's to cycle them. Right. They'll like, they'll, they'll like charge you exorbitant like millions. Like vacancy fees. If yeah. you have a vacancy, yeah. vacant, uh, storefront. So it's yeah. like, you have to get a tenant now. Otherwise it's like, you'll lose more money every month than you're going to fucking gain saving whatever. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. and that's because New York is so fucking dense. They have to. Well, they just want to keep their. Um, they want to keep it occupied and functioning because the fact that like it's so dense and hard to get into that in itself creates that exact problem where people could just sit on property yeah. because it would be worth so and so much to the bank. Like BlackRock could be buying up fucking Manhattan skyscrapers and leaving them empty yeah. and creating a squeeze on the Manhattan apartment whatever market and have no penalty. Like that's actually a very genius way to crack down on that exact idea. Yeah. But there has to be willpower to do it and eventually there See, will be, but it's if they if they're spending their money if they're spreading it out over a large enough area, like I uh I used to live in the same condo as one of the um artists REIT uh data analysts, which is one of the largest uh, real estate investment firms in in Canada, yeah. but it's based here in Winnipeg. Excess of 100 billion in assets. They own I think it was like 10% of commercial buildings in Winnipeg are owned by artists. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of their stock um, doing very well. They always do and well. And high dividend. Yeah. Uh, Zach, because Zach's um, stepmother was the CFO. Yeah. Uh, and is, I can't say too much, is uh, currently involved in a wrongful termination suit. And, so I won't say anymore. And yeah, one of my friends just married into the family. Like, it's, it's fucking small town big business but yeah they're worth excess of 100 billion and um yeah i lived in the same condo as one of their data analysts and we talked because everyone else in the condominium was over 65 except for like us and was it on smith uh wellington oh right so we just like meet I up and we meet up in the sauna it's just like <clears throat> random nights yeah tyler lived in a uh 
like one of the nicest places for a bit there because his, <laughs> his so boss, who's a multimillionaire, was traveling all the time. And he's like, look after my house. Here's the keys. Flicked him out of me and left for like six months. Well, I paid rent there. Did you? Yeah. He's like, what do you pay rent now? And oh, I told him. And he's like, it. Right, and he's right, like right. okay, that's your rent. I just remember it was like, I remember pulling up and the doorman already had like the door open before I stopped the vehicle. And I'm like, yeah. where the fuck did you come from? And he's like, parking underground, like whatever. Like he called me, yes, sir. No, sir. Like yeah. whatever. And, and for me, um, like if I show up drunk in a taxi, he'd like the doorman would come up, open the door, unbuckle my seatbelt and like lift my ass out of the, the car. Taxi. <laughs> and like, you know, maybe, maybe even fucking pay the taxi driver and yeah. drag my ass to my room. Like it was, it was awesome. Well, it was like, it was great. The guy it was took, really awkward, but it was great. The guy took the car underground and then I walked inside two seconds later, the same guys behind the desk. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> How'd you get there? Hey, sir. Um, they'll, they'll call the elevator for you. They'll bring oh, your yeah, yeah. they'll bring your car up for you. Yeah. Warm it up. Fucking bring your groceries around. Like, yeah. Know when you're leaving valet. your door and then have it like ready, warm, already for you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Full and valet. I remember we we were drinking there one time. Stefan's dead, so it doesn't matter. Um, and when I popped a champagne cord. Do you remember this? Yeah. And I dented the ceiling. Yeah. And you could see where it was like. I don't know. How did the fuck... How was that not, like, stone? It was, like... It was just stuck. It was, it like, was just, like, a plaster. It was, like, drop ceiling, It was right? plaster ceiling. And, uh, I, uh... It was a limestone building. But... I had shaken up the champagne a little bit by accident because I was drunk. And I have it on video. Yeah. And I popped the cork and it dented the ceiling with the with the metal piece that was on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Amazing. In, like, this, like, $10 billion fucking apartment. <laughs> like, uh... That was For fun. Winnipeg, it was $10 billion. True. Yeah, so that was uh, that was fun. Anyways, but, where were uh, we going with that? You were having sex in a sauna with a bunch of sixty-five-year-old men. Oh yeah, that time. Uh, no. The, anyways, this artist reet analyst was talking about how they look at, uh, like they they obviously get access to whatever data they want. They, like, paying being in a corporation that can just pay for real estate data was a mind fuck. It's like <laughs> this stuff is just available. <laughs> uh. So I've I bought Airbnb data, I've bought uh, city data, I bought county data, I've bought state data. Well, especially I've in bought... America, everything's public for some reason. Well, I just named all things that are American. Yeah, because here <laughs> county, state, here, city. Here it's a lot. Yeah, cities are only in America. Here it's a lot harder to get that information. Yeah, if I recall. But in America, you can pay like five bucks and get like a bunch of. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, and then like I think it's about a hundred bucks a city, and you can get in depth like uh, short term rental data. And they just, like, scrape it from, like, Airbnb or VRBO and shit like that. Uh, so I've looked at... I've been able to... I've been in those databases, had them searchable, where you can look by, you know, by area, by address, by person. Ridiculous. It feels incredibly invasive. <laughs> but it feels... It's great, because, like, you can make so many decisions based on that. So this guy... That was his entire job, was just analyzing data like that. So a corporation like that can look at the city of Winnipeg say, here, this is their rate of growth. And this is the current uh, rate of like lumber coming into the city. And this is the number of permits pulled. So I looked at this when I was looking to start a construction company. I looked at the total uh, residential construction value of permits pulled. Very good indicator of the construction industry. Any, you can look up, look it up anywhere. And you can see the rates of it. And you can compare that to your input costs. You can compare that to number of businesses registered. You can compare that to number of whatever companies filing taxes. 
name a thing. They can map all this shit out, plug it into like a machine learning system, an AI fucking system. Like all these big companies are working towards that and a lot of them require it. And it'll spit out, buy this many houses at this rate, at this price, and this will happen. And it's probably right because there's a lot of predictable behaviors because they always happen and people have predictable responses to them. So these companies, they can go in and buy just enough that they crank the market, but not enough to cause a public response. And the second they get a little bit of backlash, they pull back a little bit, maybe liquidate some, making money along the way, because they're not paying mortgage fees, they're not paying brokerage fees, they're not paying all these different fees that the consumer pays for. They can unload a bunch of shit, ease the pressure, and then load back in, or they go somewhere else doesn't make a fucking difference to them they're not going to be touched like they they cannot be fucking broken by regulation because the second one state or one city puts in a law they'll just pull back there and they'll push somewhere else like look what uber does like this shit happens to them all the time and they just like pull out and they move in somewhere else like they're big they're ubiquitous they can do whatever the fuck they want they got name recognition like they there is no way to actually stop that activity once they get that idea in their fucking head it's not going to stop you're going to see housing scarcity like imagine living in a neighborhood where 20 percent of the homes were vacant yet the prices were just going up 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 that's happening in vancouver right now yeah Doesn't that make so, you feel like going and what, finding that office where those people are and just going rat dot dot in a, in a, in Minecraft? In Minecraft, obviously. Uh, it does kind of make me feel like I want to kill them in Minecraft, but um, I hope they dig down and fall into lava. Obviously. Um, Build your own house. <laughs> Don't yeah. buy mine. In Minecraft, you can build houses. <laughs> See, I, f- I had a lot of ethical problems with real estate investors and dupers and dupies though i don't that's what i'm saying like the dupers and dupies though but when you get to here's the problem with like here's how cronyism exists i was thinking about this today actually for some stupid reason uh because i said in our group chat recently uh that like i've i had ethical problems about starting a business that would have competed with like a Just Eat or Deliveroo or Skip the Dishes, whatever the fuck it is where you are. Do you know the guy for, uh, I just saw this on my TikTok, the guy that invented Deliveroo. Um, he was working like 120 hours a week in a tech company. Mm-hmm. And he went on, not, it wasn't a vacation, but it was a working trip to uh, the UK mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people that were working like 120 hours a week for fucking tech companies. And they're like, he's like, well, I've never been to UK. He's an American, right? So he's like, I've never been to fucking UK. So what are we doing for dinner or whatever, right? And none of them have time, right? So he's like, oh, let's just go down to fucking, we, we all go down to Tesco. And he's like, oh, cool. He didn't know what Tesco was, right? It's like a gas, no, it's a grocery store, I think. Or a gas station, mm-hmm. somewhat, whatever. I think it's a grocery store. It's like a co-op. And uh, he, they go there and they all buy these like microwave lunches. Mm-hmm. And that's all what they all do. Every single one of these tech people making $200,000 a year buy these microwave lunches because they don't have enough time to like go to a restaurant. And in that moment, he said, that's when he got the idea for what if you could just deliver restaurant food to you? Yeah. I just saw that. It came out of my TikTok algorithm the other day. So I saw a very 
<clears throat> communist article today that was like typical the death of the servant economy which is another way of just saying the gig economy which is like people working for below oh. living wages to basically serve people that can pay above market price for things there's um there here there was a bunch of uh skip drivers that were protesting yeah. for it was, it was for... wasn't skip it was it was all it was all the providers here yeah the one here okay cool cool it was like three or it was four like companies. a un they're trying to unionize right yeah yeah. Well, eh, yeah. basically say we can't afford our fucking gas, pay us more. Yeah, because gas is fucking two, 207 a liter. Like eight bucks a gallon well, for you Americans. Here's something I actually didn't mention that I meant to mention a couple episodes ago when I bought this phone. Remember how I told the story how they like got robbed a bunch of times? Yeah. Here's another story. When I was in there, there was a little plaque on the desk that said, basically, if you got sent in here to get a phone for Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats... Uh, scan this QR code and then let us know. Because I guess they had a special plan yeah. for phones because, and then I was kind of like asking about it and it's like, uh, like, I don't know how to think about this, but, and this is just fact. This isn't me being a fucking guy. Is that like 70% or something close to that over 50 for sure of people that work for delivery companies in Winnipeg are recent immigrants. Yeah. And basically they come here, they get their, if they don't have their equivalent license, they get their equivalent license and then they try to get a job at skip the dishes or Uber eats and they send them into Rogers to buy a phone Yeah, because they don't have a Canadian locked phone. Or they, a North they, yeah. They have to have their own phone and they need a North American locked one. Yeah. Like one with the chip set for America, for North America. Like my, um, our friend Margaret, who was otherwise on the, podcast, the roaming would be crazy. Well, yeah, our friend Margaret that was on the podcast has a South African phone and a Canadian phone, right? Because you can't just switch the sims; it doesn't work. Yeah, it's just a brick if you switch the sims. So you need one for different. There's like what, I don't know what there is for cell phones, but there's five uh, TV regions. Because mm -hmm. if you buy like a Japanese NES, I uh, you can't play, you can't use it on an American TV. Hmm. There's different uh, Blu-rays too. There's different Blu-ray regions. I think with cell phones, it's IMEI numbers, like the serial numbers relevant to, I think, North America. Yeah, whatever, anyway. But uh, the point being, this thing was like, oh, yeah, let us know if you're buying a phone specifically to start a job. So a lot of these people that are like delivery drivers for these food deliveries, like don't, they're recent immigrants, they don't have another option. And yeah. they're just like, let's... And then these delivery companies are like, oh yeah, we're gonna pay you two bucks a delivery. And then gas is two oh seven, and they're not making any money. Yeah. Right. Or they're making below minimum, like wage. well below minimum. Yeah. Especially when you count in oil changes, cost of your vehicle, cost of insurance. Yeah. Yeah. And your time, well, like. So here's the thing: even as a pizza driver, I would some I would go average between sixteen and thirty five an hour. Yeah. I was after I did my vehicle expenses and you know wear and tear and cost or whatever. I was driving a like a thousand dollar car. No one thinks wear and tear though. That the right. average person doesn't. But think I knew about it. because I did my own fucking maintenance. You're, yeah, you're smart. So <laughs> I did my I did my numbers and I still averaged out like barely barely above minimum. I'm yeah. like this is this is stupid, and yeah. I was doing my own shit. Never, Never mind, mind driving. if you're bringing it to a dealership. Yeah. So, anyways, like the. Where I was going with that train is like I couldn't I couldn't justify the ethics of the business because I'm like either you have to charge way too much to the customer, yeah, uh, 
like so much that they wouldn't pay or take advantage you, or you have to take advantage of the workers and it's a lot but, easier to take advantage of the workers than to yeah. overcharge the customers. But here, here's where I was going. You cycle that, them really fast. That's is, the Amazon model is that I pay above minimum wage at my business and I have a bonus structure that allows them to earn significantly more than minimum wage. Like, but your bonus structure is created in such a way where it is actually achievable yeah. and frequently is achieved. Uh, the uh, We designed, it's a little bit weird this year. I'll, I'll make a judgment at the end of the summer if I'm going to change it. But uh, because it was based on pre-COVID numbers. But uh, we designed it specifically so they could achieve the bonuses about 50% of the time. Yeah. Was that was the idea? So you hit the average, and it, but the cor- the, the but corporate the, idea would have been hit forty. But the idea is, if they put in more effort, they could absolutely hit hit it every time. Yeah. But you know, um, but it was a performance base because I am a startup, and if I had to pay people twenty dollars an hour when I opened, I couldn't have hired anybody. No. And I just I've come kind of come around on this. Where I used to be like anti raising the minimum wage because not because people don't deserve a living wage, because I personally believe, and this might be, get me crucified, but I personally hmm that was my glass. My glass just exploded in my hand. You okay? Yeah, I'm not there's cut. glass in your hand. It's fine though. <laughs> I'm fucking soaked with wine. I'm gonna zoom out when that happened. <laughs> I was holding the glass. That like shocked both of us. <laughs> like that was. There's so much wine. Are you bleeding? Are you no? Okay? I'm not. I'm not cut at all. <laughs> it's just fucking wine everywhere. <laughs> You're going to need to get me a beach towel. That's wild. Huh. He, Highlight uh, reel, though. Was, if you're watching the... Um, um, this is a, this is a crystal cognac I, glass, It's probably by the not, way. though, right? Surely No, now. it is. Like, it's a $65 set of four. So it's a crystal cognac glass. If you're wa- if you're not watching the uh, video version of this so podcast you're on youtube.com slash vote willows, you're going to want to. <laughs> I, I'm going to... So I, I usually edit... <laughs> thanks, like, thanks for the plug. Yeah, I usually... Edit like zoomed into our faces, yeah. but just for that, I will zoom out. I'm he, soaked. He's holding this cognac glass and he squeezed it. I guess like I was just I was holding it snugly. I was not I was not using even more than ten percent of my whatever. Grocery. And it exploded. Like he didn't even he didn't crack it down. He didn't do any like it. It fucking popped. Popped. <laughs> and we were both shocked. Like silence. The silence you heard was just us staring at it. And then I'm like, I'm going to reek like wine. And then he had glass in his hand. And I'm like, dude, are you fucked? Like, are you bleeding? And he's like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) And like, that was fascinating. That's so weird. It's on my ear. It's (laughs) on my ear. It's on the mic. It's on his phone. Like, oh my goodness. That's so wild. (laughs) What a weird thing to happen. I guess I don't know my own strength. <laughs> Just this fucking skinny twink breaking cups in my hand. Oh my god, that is so. 
Anyway, I, as Tyler cleans this up, I'm just going to transfer here into our last segment that we call <gasps> Tip of the Morning, Tip of the Morning, which um, my videos keep getting copyright claimed when I use the my remix of the song. So I'm going to try and re-remix the song to make it not get copyright claimed. But uh, this is the segment that me and Tyler give you business or life advice that we are currently going through in business. And uh, my tip of the week is don't worry be happy because everything is going to be all right. Also, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> yeah. What's your tip of the week besides I'm not going to kill myself this week. I might kill myself. Your tip of the week, kill yourself. It's easier than living. <laughs> True. Um, it, the environmental savings alone. Uh, if you want to stop Exxon, just kill yourself. Because they can't sell to nobody. Um, no, I don't know. My, I think my tip is that um, when you're having uh, suicidal thoughts, give a, give a, sh give a cry for help to your close friends, and may, and then they'll talk to you about your mental health. No, they probably won't. Oh, maybe that's why I'm in such a bad position right now. Um, anyway, your tip of the week? <laughs> this is getting really uncomfortable. <laughs> Not just because my pants are wet. Um, my tip of the week? Um, I think... I gave this advice to JL last night, where a lot of the things that he thinks about, stresses about, reads about, are very existential, very big, very big ideas, and it kind of encompasses everything. That is a very impossible thing to try to fix because a lot of things, they just are. And trying to find something that you can actually take action on on a daily basis or on a regular basis that can make any kind of difference or you even feel like you're making or you're participating in anything, it's very hard to lock that down. And I feel like most people, they just they stress out about LGBT rights, but they've never showed up to a pride parade. They've never gone on a march. They've never made a fucking signboard. Like, find one, literally anything. Find one thing you can get involved in. And if you're a Nazi, fuck you. This advice isn't for you. But anybody else, uh, get involved in, like, some, I don't know, direct action. Some fucking community support. If it's serving food to the homeless, whatever, name a fucking thing, get your hands on something and actually do some action that helps the the cause that you're stressed out about. Because just stressing out about it and tweeting about it is not action. That's not helping. It's not going to do anything for you or anybody else. You got to actually go out and do something. So fucking find a thing. That's it's not that good. hard. Like, that's actually good advice, Tower. Go I've on been, the Greenpeace website. Fucking sign up. <laughs> do do some forum. Like, I've been thinking about literally this. name a thing. I think I'm gonna do a charity event with my business and raise money for like mental health. Yeah, because I have, I've thought that would maybe help, but I also need money, so yeah. it's hard to like donate it. But I was gonna say mental health. Mine? <laughs> <laughs> My mental health? 
Well, there's a good or like clinic organization here in uh, Winnipeg, like really helped my brother. Yeah. Um, a couple others. So I was thinking about doing something like that. So maybe. Yeah. Absolutely. Do something. It's better than nothing. Better than yesterday, not as good as tomorrow. True. Anyway, thank you for listening to Alcohol Beyond This Point. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Alcohol Beyond This Point, or Facebook, Alcohol Beyond This Point Podcast. Um, Tyler, this is that. Willows is me. And good night. And don't squeeze your cognac. That's the shirt of the week is uh, <laughs> don't squeeze your cognac. <laughs> Alcohol Beyond This Point podcast. This isn't two podcasters talking business. This is two business guys trying to podcast.